When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, it's Dan. This is our Wednesday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. As always, I got to tell you about Football Insider, where you will get access to exclusive stories on cleveland.com slash browns. You get a daily newsletter with exclusive content uh, written by part of our Browns team. I actually wrote today's newsletter, so uh, if you weren't signed up, you missed it. You didn't get the newsletter and you missed whatever I wrote, which I'm sure was just absolutely outstanding and you didn't get it in your inbox. Oh well, maybe next time. You get one every day, so something new every single day, exclusive in that newsletter. And, of course, there's our texting subscription, uh, and I've told you all about what you can do there, how you can get involved in the podcast, but also just get news and updates. We text you back, all that fun stuff. Uh, so check it out. Go to cleveland.com slash browns. Click on the blue banner at the top of the page to get more information and get yourself signed up. Hey everybody, welcome to our Wednesday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. I'm Dan Lobby, joined by Mary Kay Cabot. Mary Kay, how are you? A little bit snowed under here in Rocky <laughs> River, Ohio, but doing fine. Well, and I never thought I'd say this, but joining us from beautiful Minnesota, sunny Minnesota, Ellis Williams. Ellis, how are you? I'm cool, man. Look, I've been living in Cleveland, Westlake for about a year now, and I swear I've only seen snow like once or twice. And now I'm in Minnesota and it looks a lot like how Ohio's usually looking and I hear you guys got all the snow. So I don't know if I got anything to do with that, but I'm sorry you guys are snowed in right now. You picked the right few days to, to be away. Uh, okay, so we've got Terry Pluto coming up in the second half of the pod after the break, uh, but we're going to talk a little bit about some news from today and some things coming up this week. And we're just going to start here. Uh, Ronnie Harrison was injured on the first play of the Jaguars game. And he's going to miss four to six weeks. So that takes you pretty much through the regular season. It could take you into the playoffs. It it just kind of depends, I guess, on how quickly he heals. So he's on IR. Um, You know, it it probably says something about the state of this defense. It also says something about Ronnie Harrison. He kind of had elevated himself, in my mind, to like that third guy. So you had Miles, right? Denzel, those guys are in a class by themselves. But then Ronnie Harrison was kind of that third guy that like, man, the Browns really need this dude. And now they're not going to have him. Yeah, you know what, it really is unfortunate because he came in there and he solidified the safety position, which has been such a challenged position all season since Grant Delpit went down with the ruptured Achilles tendon in training camp. Ronnie Harrison came in, he nailed the position, he's been playing really well, to the point where he had climbed to number 12 in the NFL Uh, according to PFF's grades. So he was number 12. Then you have to go all the way down to the 80s to get to the next Browns safety right now. Carl Joseph is down there in the somewhere in the 80s. So is Sheldrick Redwine. So is Andrew Zendejo. So this is kind of what we're talking about. He was their best safety. Now, what complicates this is the fact that Denzel Ward is also out right now. Okay. And we already knew Grant was out. Greedy's out. So it's just been one challenge, one injury after another in the defensive backfield. Uh, but this is a huge blow to these guys. Uh, you know, they did sign, they did claim another safety, Tedrick Thompson. I don't, 
I doubt he'll be able to play this weekend because of COVID protocols, uh, but there is help on the way. Still, huge blow to lose Ronnie. Yeah, this is tough. Uh, Ronnie, as you guys said, has been stepping up and then really solidifying himself as the, the go-to safety on this team, a guy, a reliable tackler, uh, trustful in man coverage and knowing where he needs to be in zone. Um, of course, he's injured on the first play of the game. Uh, that uh, what stands out to me in the Jaguars game and his absence where it was noticed right away, uh, I think it was that 44-yard completion to uh, Keelan Cole. It was a deep uh, over route, a crossing route. Cole started on the right side, ended up on the left side. And it looked like the Browns should have been, were in a cover four quarters coverage. And Carl Joseph, who was you know filling in in the safety spot, just didn't get any depth, meaning he probably had eyes in the backfield and not aware of someone getting behind him. And that went for 44 yards. And when the Jaguars are looking explosive on you, uh, that's a bad sign, especially when you have Tennessee coming up, a team that thrives on play action passing, hitting inter intermediate routes with Corey Davis and AJ Brown. And this is the state of the Browns secondary. Right now they're just gonna have to play with the guys they have and likely lean on the offense, but a, a team already thin in the secondary uh, lost a guy who was really coming into his own. And I think they're really going to miss him in these next two games, especially because, you know, for the reasons you mentioned Ellis too, but like when you're playing the Titans, you just need guys to go get Derrick Henry. I mean, you, you need to have some safeties that can come up and make some plays. And, and Ronnie was that sort of guy. Uh, and really against the Ravens, I'm, I'm of the belief that you want every single athlete you can have against the Ravens because uh, they're going to do all the misdirection stuff in the run game. You've got to chase down Lamar Jackson the more athletes you can have on the field, the better. And, and he certainly fits that bill. So it's never a good time to lose a guy like this, but um, I don't have a ton of faith in Carl Joseph and Andrew Sandejo in the run game. And they're really going to need that this week uh, because it takes a committee to bring down Henry. Yeah. You know, the other thing about this too, you're right. It does take a committee to bring down uh, Derek Henry. When you start to get your, uh, your leaders back there, you know, the guys like you mentioned, Ellis, that he knows where he's supposed to be in the zone defense. And then you've got Denzel Ward, who is, uh, you know, a field general back there too at cornerback and sort of can help direct traffic a little bit, especially with new guys coming in and out of the lineup now. And you've got, uh, you know, just reserve DBs coming in there on so many changes, you need guys who, who are really super smart and know, you know, how to get everybody where they need to be so that you don't have blown coverages and stuff like that. But also, you know, Ronnie Harrison had gotten to the point where, uh, you know, I, I really believe that this off season that, that they would have, and they probably, and they still will, this is not going to change that. They're going to extend him. I mean, like they, he's nailed it. He's a starting safety here for years to come and will pair nicely with Grant Delpit. That's how much they uh, feel about him. That's the high regard they are holding him in. Uh, and so it is, it's, it's going to be tough. And as you mentioned, and Carl Joseph, he's more of a box safety. Um, so, you know, you, you really didn't want to expect him to be, uh, you know, like chasing somebody down on a 46 yard touchdown pass like that and having to be so responsible for that. He's going to have to come up big these guys, he's going to have to come up big this game. So is Andrew. And here's another thing. Sheldrick Redwine missed the last game with a knee injury. So who knows if he'll even be ready to play this game. Now, once again, as I mentioned, they did claim Tedrick Thompson from waivers. I don't, I don't know if he'll be able to play this weekend. I'm still working through that. But after this week, I think that he's going to get some significant playing time maybe even some starts, if he can get up to speed quickly enough. 
Yeah, Mary Kay, you said it. The only silver lining, the only good news in any of this, if that's what we are trying to do here for a second, is that whoever the Browns roll out there as their starting secondary on Sunday in Tennessee, there won't be a single one of those secondary members starting in week one of the 2021 season. Now, this team's going to have Ronnie Harrison. This team's going to have Grant Delpit. This team's going to have Denzel Ward. That's the good news, but that doesn't change what how weak their team's going to start. And unless players play above expectation, you know, Sandeo had his first pass breakup last week. You just mentioned Sheldrick Redwine, uh, Carl Joseph playing out of his element. Unless these things happen, which are seem unlikely, it's, it's going to be tough sledding. But the future is bright for this secondary, despite all the injuries. It is. Now, a bit of good news today, uh, as expected, Miles Garrett was activated off the uh, COVID-19 list, uh, so he'll be ready to go starting today at practice, and he'll be able to go on Sunday, but uh, we touched on this a little bit before. What, what do you guys view as realistic expectations for Miles Garrett here? We obviously don't know. We don't know how sick he was. All we know for sure at this point is they kept him home with an illness for two days. He tested positive on the third day. So there are obviously some symptoms there that they were concerned about to keep him home. So we know he was sick. Uh, the question is, we don't know how sick and we don't know how he's going to respond. Is it unrealistic to think we're going to get like a full workload of Miles Garrett this week? Well, here, here are a couple things to, to remember. First of all, um, he had to be fairly significantly sick for them to keep him home for those first two days, as you mentioned. So we know this wasn't one of those situations where he was sort of asymptomatic and feeling fine. No, I don't, I don't think it was that. I think that Miles Garrett, uh, I think he had a pretty fairly decent bout with COVID-19, okay? And the reason, one of the reasons why I say that is because they were very quick to rule him out for the Jaguars game. Like they knew he wasn't. Even though there was a path for him to return for that game, they knew right away early on in that week. No, mm -mm, he's not coming back. Right. That's one thing. The other thing is he's coming off of, of a knee injury. Uh, so the little tiny bit of a silver lining, if, if the knee injury got better, is that maybe he will be able to play a little bit more than he would have. Even if you noticed the last game, he took some, he had to take some plays off, you know, the last game that he played. Uh, because there were times you looked out there and Miles wasn't on the field. And I believe that that was because of the knee injury. So maybe, maybe the silver lining in this is that he had a chance to heal up the knee and other parts of his body that, that were probably hurting right now, including his wrist. Uh, so, you know, maybe that'll be good. But he doesn't even know yet how his body is going to respond to playing a full football game after coming off of COVID-19. Nobody knows, not even Miles. Yeah, and that's important to keep in mind. I think we need to mention that, like Mary Kay said, we just, as a, as a world, don't know enough about COVID yet, the, the aftermath of it, the, the, the effects it can have uh, long-term all those things aside, assuming Miles returns like other players in this league who have had COVID been placed on the COVID-19 list and come back to perform, assuming his snap count is around 65 to 80% of defensive snaps. Dan, you asked about his expectation. You know, I know Miles Garrett is worth around $150 million or soon to be when this contract plays itself out, but I, I feel bad for him in a way. The, the expectation is going to be what it was when he left. When you're the best player on a football team, 
facing a weak offensive line, which now the Titans are starting a third string left tackle who's making his first career start um, after like seven years in the league, um, a backup left guard. This is a Tennessee Titans offensive line that though they took advantage of also a weaker Colts defensive front, there's spots that Miles is going to just have a natural athletic advantage as and continue and go back to being that game record that he was before the injuries pile up and, of course, before COVID-19. So if he plays that snap count, the expectation is going to be for him to dominate. But this is a lot on this young man's play this upcoming week. I mean, really, it's going to be on Joe Woods and the staff to kind of figure out how to pick their spots here. You know, when when do you need to have Miles Garrett on the field? Is it third downs? Is that, I mean, maybe, who knows? Maybe he'll come back. And he'll be able to go, right. you know, a full workload. We don't know. I doubt it. You know, I think this could be something it wouldn't surprise me if we're still talking about this a couple of weeks from now, even if he's still kind of get, you know, climbing his way back to hundred percent, but you've got to get him out there in certain situations where he can change a football game, especially with this Tennessee team and those obvious passing downs. Those are really the plays you want him out there. Yeah. And oh, sorry, Mary Kay, I want to ask you this real quick. Um, when, as Dan's saying, those, those obvious passing downs to keep him fresh as you're going out, um, first going out to practice week I don't know if they're going to be inside outside with the weather they're probably gonna be inside so perhaps you can't see anything but is that really the the what to watch for the week like how is Miles doing how is his conditioning and trying to get a sense of like Dan saying how they can deploy him against this Tennessee offensive line whether it's going to be a workload is figuring out Miles workload on the top of your agenda this week yeah yeah but it's hard to tell because you know I pick up as much as I can from the 20 minutes or so of practice that I'm allowed to watch. And I really do try to, I watch the defensive line a lot. Yeah. We're close to those guys. So, you know, I do try to get a pretty good view of that. And I, and hopefully some of the practices will be open this week. I don't know. We've got so much snow. So fingers crossed on that because I do like to do that. I can tell if a guy, how a guy feels. I just, I can't, I watch yeah. them. Well, okay, you, you, you tease the Olivier Vernon little explosion there. I mean, you said, Hey, Browns fans, he's looking sharp. He's looking good. And, and what do you know? He's played, you know, two or three of right. his best football games since you were saying that. So it, right. and valuable information. yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's something about going out and watching a guy's energy, energy level. I mean, I watched Adrian Claiborne come back slowly from an abdominal injury. And then at one point I was like, okay, he's back. He's back to what I saw you know, in training camp. So yes, there is value in watching this. Um, so I'm very interested to see what he is like, and hopefully I will get to see it. But um, the thing here, and a lot of people don't know this, is that when these guys are at home under quarantine, they're not, they're very discouraged from working out. They don't want them working out at home alone. Okay. They just don't. Now, Miles uh, is a workout warrior. Okay, so we don't know what he did or didn't do. He's got workout uh, equipment in his home and he can work out at home whenever he wants to. But they didn't want them doing that because what they have to do before they can get back into this, there's a three-day ramp-up period. They need to pass a heart screening first. So before he could even do the three-day ramp-up, which is individually with members of the Browns medical staff, he had to pass the heart screening. So here, here's how this goes. You get sick, you stay home, you're down for the count, then you pass the heart screening, then you do the three-day on-ramp period, then you get to come back to practice, okay? So this is how it, it's gone. 
So we don't exactly know how he is, is going to feel on Sunday. But what we do know is that for this period of about almost two full weeks, he really wasn't supposed to be doing cardio and things like that. So he might need to get his legs back under him a little bit. Again, he's young, he's in great shape and these guys bounce back generally very quickly. Uh, but I do think that they will be monitoring him very, very closely during the practice week and during the game. Yeah, I mean, that's that's one of the things to watch here as, as the Browns play the Titans. Before we, uh, before we get to Terry, I'm just kind of curious, before we kind of get into this week, um, you know, we'll obviously have our pick spot on Friday. But, I, you know, I, for me at least, I kind of – I always go up and down with all of these games. You know, I mean, there's some games where it's like a gimme. Yeah, there's no, there's no doubt the Browns are going to win. That's how I felt about the Jags. When we get to Jets week, that's how I'll feel. But, you know, when, when you're kind of in it, when you're in that bubble – some, sometimes it's a little bit of a roller coaster, how you feel about how the Browns are going to do uh, in a game. Right now, I, I feel like this is going to be a really tough one for him. I think this is a bad matchup for this football team. But I'm curious how you guys are kind of feeling right now about this matchup and, and how this game might play out for the Browns. Ellis, you go. So there, there's a few things I've, I'm watching this week as we build towards that picks pod, Dan, and then even the Saturday or you know Friday, Saturday picks that we, we do for the paper – uh, this is going to be a tough one that I'm going to go back and forth on. As you were saying, a few things I'm watching. The, the Titans are banged up too. Um, starting quarter cornerback Dory Jackson did not play last week. Uh, already mentioned their offensive line situation. They're also down a linebacker. Um, that is something to watch. If they're just as beat up as the Browns, then this these matchups start to even out a little more. Even though Dan, I agree with you, it's it's a tough tough matchup, especially for this defense, of course. Um, and then just an ex- more an explosive offense on the perimeter when really focusing on Nick Chubb and Derrick Henry. These offenses want to accomplish the same things. I just think Tennessee does it in a more explosive way. Uh, point being, or the shown in last week when the Titans scored five touchdowns on their first six possessions against a good Colts defense. I mean, they just were rolling. Um, and if you just look at how teams trend their past two games, they – beat the Ravens in Baltimore in an overtime thriller. No easy task, of course. And they just came off a Colts game where they dominated start to finish, and they lost to that same Colts team, you know, 17 days before that uh, on a Thursday night game. So, you know, getting that revenge, you know, establishing their dominance in their division, making up for that past game. They're turning in the right direction where, of course, the Browns are as well. A win is a win, as we keep saying. But the Browns are coming off two closer-than-expected victories with both Philly who we just saw last night, which clearly is a dumpster fire. I, I mean, there's just any satisfaction you have in beating a Philadelphia team other than just getting <laughs> a win in the column. It doesn't say much. That team yeah. on national television was a joke last night. Uh, and then, you know, beating the a Jacksonville team when you're a seven point favorite in Vegas is what it is. So these are two teams that play similarly are both trending in the right direction, but the quality of wins tilts Tennessee. It's going to be a tough, there's, there's a lot of things to watch throughout the week. And I think injuries will eventually decide where I land on this one. Right. And even, even that first Colts game was a little funky um, right. because it was, you had a bunch of special teams mishaps. They, they had the blocked punt, they missed a field goal and they have like a 17 yard punt and they're a yep. 20 yard punt or something. And I'll say they're, they're sloppy on special teams. Yeah, that, that's exactly. good to point out. They are. So, you know, when I look at this football game, again, it's always a game of matchups when you're talking about two teams that are that you know unless of course you're talking about 
the Browns versus the Jaguars where, you know, it's a good team versus a horrible team. But if you're talking about two eight and three teams, you do have to look at the key matchups. And as you mentioned, Ellis, uh, they have a very banged up offensive line. So one of the key matchups to, to look at here is Miles always takes advantage of the weak link on an offensive line. So they, the Browns will have an opportunity uh, to, to mess with and win their matchups on, on the offensive, on their defensive line can beat the Titans offensive line for the most part in the, in the passing game. So what I think they're going to have to do if the Titans want to win this game for the most part is they really are going to have to, to run the hell out of, out of Derrick Henry. I mean, if they do that, I mean, uh, look what James Robinson just did against the, the Cleveland Browns. Okay. Now they were down some guys and maybe some of those guys will come back this week, but still, I think the Derrick Henry factor uh, obviously is, is going to be huge this game because, you know, I mean, look, without Taylor Lewan and down to their third string left tackle, you know, the opportunity for Miles, they, they're not, Mike Vrabel's not going to want to let Miles Garrett wreck this football game. So they're going to run away from him and they're going to run a lot because they know, I mean, they, they have to circle one guy in red on defense and that is Miles Garrett. And it doesn't matter if he's coming off COVID. Mike Rabel knows well enough to know that that is the game plan for them. Uh, so, so I think that, you know, if, if they just do what they do really, really well, and, you know, I, I think that they're going to have the advantage in that way. I mean, now Ryan Tannehill, he doesn't throw many interceptions generally. Obviously he's only got four this year against 26 touchdowns, but you know, a lot of guys didn't throw interceptions or, you know, get sacked until Miles showed up. You know what I mean? So Miles makes things happen for quarterbacks that weren't happening before. So I think they're going to, I think they're going to go, go crazy with, with Derrick Henry and then pick their spots with, with Ryan Tannehill. And this is going to be a game where it's going to be, you know, we're going to punch you in the mouth and you're going to punch us in the mouth and we're going to see who's left standing at the end. And one more thing real quick. Kadero Hodge gave them a little bit of bulletin board material. Did he not? <laughs> yeah, that surprised me. Right. Like, I don't think he said, I don't think he said anything that was wrong because they aren't a super team, but right. sometimes you don't have to say it. <laughs> no. He, and, and you know what? Let, let me just tell you, Mike Rabel came up under Bill Belichick. Okay. I covered Bill Belichick for five years here. I know what he does with those kinds of little snippets of information. Okay. I, Bill Belichick used to, I mean, that thing would have been all over the locker room. It would have been all over. They probably led their team meeting with it today. Okay. I mean, that's just, they will use it. I mean, they, last year they used the Browns, you know, thinking they were all that. And, you know, we have arrived and all of that stuff. I mean, they use that to come in here in the opener and kick the Browns ass. They really did. Well, there, so, there, was, there was a party at midfield, uh, Baltimore, Tennessee, just two weeks ago before the game. I mean, Vrabel get these guys going pregame. Yeah. Really. I now, mean, I, I, I was in that Titans locker room after the opener last year, and yeah. they relished what they did to the Browns. They, I mean, you could tell, right. I don't remember anybody who just came out and said it, but you could tell that they were paying attention to all the hype around that team, all the things they were saying. That they, Mike Vrabel, there was no doubt that he had spent time you know, pointing to a lot of that stuff. And, and you could tell that they just relished being the team that came in and kind of spoiled that opener. Yes. And you know what, as you mentioned, Dan, 
Kadir Hodge said nothing wrong whatsoever. He said nothing wrong. He said exactly what players should say and think about an opponent. When you're going to play a big, tough guy opponent, you want to have swagger and you want to say, you know, we can, we can play with anybody, we can beat with anybody. But that doesn't change the fact that they will use it as a rallying cry. They just will. And it just is a matter of can Mike Vrabel use that enough to get them whipped up into enough of a frenzy uh, to get as mad as they were last year when they played the Browns. Yeah, Mary Kay, I, I completely agree. I, I want to touch on two things uh, you mentioned before that. Um, I love what you said about uh, how Vrabel and offensive coordinator Arthur Smith are going to call this game. I don't see a reason for Tennessee to be in a third and long situation at all on Sunday. Of course, things happen, penalties, so on and so forth. But you're right. There's no reason to let Miles Garrett wreck this game because – Tennessee doesn't turn the ball over, but the difference in this game and the Browns defense, really their only hope is generating a turnover, a Miles Garrett strip sack, a chance interception, a, a, a yeah. fumble, something needs to happen for this Browns defense. It's, it's the only way they're going to manufacture some momentum. Absolutely. This, this might be one of those weird games where, it, you know, if you're the team that gets that turnover and then yeah. the other, once you turn it over, you don't see the ball for like eight minutes. I mean, this, this just might be one of those games, uh, you know, both these teams do the same things really well offensively. Yeah. Cause quickly Tennessee's defense yeah. is not impressive. You know, Jadavion no, Clown no. hasn't been much. He didn't even play last week. They were, they were a mess. Joe Burrow tore, tore, tore him up four weeks ago. Uh, they're nothing to be afraid of. So you're right, Dan, this, this is going to be an offensive show. It's the second highest over under in Vegas. And if you make a mistake, good luck in the ball back. Yeah, and they take the ball away. That is just like the Browns. There are so many similarities between these teams, just like the Browns. They don't have uh, a great defense, but they take the ball away. So, it, it you know, the turnover battle is, is going to be huge in this game. All right. Well, uh, that'll do it for this first half of the pod. We've got Terry Pluto coming up on the second half. Uh, Ellis and Mary Kay, I will talk to you guys later. And now we welcome on Terry Pluto. Terry, how are you? I'm well, Dan. Okay, well, let's just start here. We are recording this um, just minutes after we found out that Ronnie Harrison is, is going to miss a little time for the Browns. He got hurt on the first play Sunday. Certainly didn't look good. He's going to go on injured reserve, uh, miss four to six weeks. So you'd hope if the Browns make the playoffs, he'll, he'll be able to come back uh, for that. You know, Ronnie Harrison kind of elevated himself in my mind to like, you know, there's Miles and Denzel Ward, right? And of course, mm-hmm. you know, the Browns, haven't had those guys, but Ronnie was kind of on that next level of guy that they just really couldn't afford to lose. He's pretty important to what they want to do defensively. And he's been playing pretty well. Yes. I mean, they viewed him as a core player after watching him, um, you know, that, you know, going forward, all that stuff. And you checked right before, because if I'm, I know he had a bruised knee, he's had a concussion and now it's a shoulder thing, right? I guess. Yeah. Yeah. It's a shoulder. So, because uh, he missed at least one game with the concussion, and uh, and he's left, he's gone out of games too with problems. But what was his injury history before this? Not real extensive. Um, he played fourteen games his first two years. Uh, so I mean, he's been on the field. You know, he yeah. started fourteen games in twenty nineteen. So. Okay really kind of the first year he had the concussion against Indianapolis and now now he's mm-hmm. got this well and he hurt you know he hurt his knee too um against Philadelphia 
Right. That's what I said. There was a knee, a concussion, yeah. and, and this. And um, I don't know what to make of that. It'll be interesting to see the extent of the shoulder thing. When they, Of course, you know how they are with injuries. They're always so forthcoming. Yeah, yeah, right. They love to, they love to go in depth on that stuff. Yeah, he so wasn't I, going on IR. They just say he was like Greedy Williams. Is he still day to day? Remember that the longest day to day injury in history. The longest day to day, right? And it's not to diminish because these guys are really hurt. It's not the players' right. fault. Just don't want to give me any information. And remember this: I mean, the vast, vast majority of these NFL guys, they play with things that most of us would not want to like leave our room with. Uh, so um, mm -hmm. that's a, to be fair there, but you just take to see it because, all right, so the safeties now. Sandejo. Man, <laughs> the safeties are now. Let's see, Sandejo, Joseph. He never maybe, goes away, does he? Maybe Sheldrick Redwine, if he's able oh, to get back yeah. this week. He's Wasn't at an he? ankle. Okay. Of course, um, if it's a high ankle sprain. Yeah, so I mean, if he's able to get back this week, he could play, but you're hurting going against a team that you know it's it's funny to say this because you don't look at tennessee and say oh they're going to throw the ball all over the place but you want to have some safeties who can tackle when you're going against derrick henry yes i'm glad you brought that up that's a key thing that's part of the reason they like harrison because he is a good tackler along with the fact of you know the, the speed thing um i was it was looking at uh i got a question from a fan i've been working on some stuff for hey terry for later in the week and you know, well, what is the message the Browns are giving Kevin Stefan Kevin Stefanski is giving Baker Mayfield? What message is that where, uh, you know, they don't want him to lose the game or whatnot? Probably the same message Mike Bragbull gives Brian Townhill. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, they're these these offenses are similar. Yeah, in so I mean, many ways. The um, I was looking at the Titans throwing a few more passes than the Browns. The Browns have run the, run the ball a few more times than the Titans, but they're both near the top of the league in fewest passes and most runs. And if you have a great running game, why do you want your quarterback taking all kinds of chances? Right. It would be just like if you had uh, a really great quarterback, say you had, you know, whoever Tom Brady or whatever in their prime, and you had these, you know, terrible a broken down Willis McGahee in the backfield like the Browns did a couple of years ago and Terrence West and that why would you want to build it around a running attack no you build yeah. your I mean I'm just telling you as an old guy in this I've never seen anything quite like this this combination of Hunt and uh and and Chubb I mean yes Ernie Green and uh and Leroy Kelly but or Leonie Green and Jimmy Brown for a few years there. But that was a different game back then. They ran the ball more anyway. But this is unbelievable. These guys are better than Kevin Mack and, and Ernest Biner. And that's not a knock on those guys either. But um, you know, at this point in their careers, they're better. I mean, you have two. They're both so young still. Yes. Right? I mean, Kareem Hunt was, what, a 2017 pick? And Chubb was mm -hmm. 2018? And just through all these circumstances, they come together and it's just really impressive. They're so, they're such different runners too. And they want to play together that, you know, we, we should never take that for granted because on most teams, that would be a big issue. Uh, even right. if they're kind of, you know, the guys want the ball instead. I mean, Chubb, all he, he, 
you know, he feels a lot better when you ask him about Kareem than when you ask him about Chubb. Chubb does not want to talk about Chubb. He wants to talk about Kareem. He wants to talk about Baker. He wants to talk about the weather. <laughs> and, but that's, and that's not phony. That's how he is. And Kareem, you know, really, I think is, is just looming in his hometown finally, you right. know, under kind of almost this cubicle they built for him there uh, on and off the field. So to me, that's exciting. But to go back to it, it's just like Tennessee. They looked at it. You know, we could take Ryan Tannehill, stick him with these running backs, and we're going to win a ton of games. That's probably what they said a couple of years ago. And they're going to, we're going to reprogram Tannehill. But this is how we play. And then, you know, so that's what the Browns are doing with this guy, with Baker. Hey, it drove me nuts. Especially my client was wide open in the end zone, Richard, Richard Higgins. He wide was. Open. He was. And what happened? <laughs> Overthrew him. And I actually just rewatched the play today. It seemed it seemed like he hesitated a little bit. Should have gotten yeah. him the ball a little earlier. I've looked at that a couple times, Dan. I also think sometimes, you know, he's in the pocket. He just he, – he, those big linemen bother him, and that's part of the reason he's sailing I, it. I think so, too. What about your client was opening the flat there, Kareem Hunt? <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, those – you know, I, th- I think that's the thing with Baker, right? I mean, you can rewatch that game and you'll see some throws that were really fantastic. And then, and then there's some that he just misses. And I, I know every quarterback misses throws. I mean, you, you could watch Patrick Mahomes. You're going to see him miss some throws. But yeah, um, it, it has been a little bit of a trend with Baker lately. And, and you know, now you here to see that consistency. To be a little bit fair also, this had nothing to do with the weather. But, like, if you're only throwing the ball 25 times a game or whatever, as opposed to 40, those overthrows look worse. Right. They just do. But nonetheless, the, the great thing for me about the Browns is they, they set up a way to play, and they're playing that way. And it's not midseason or a little later, and they're changing quarterbacks or changing how they play or any of that garbage. Uh, this is how they play. And we're in the process of learning how to play this way, they're winning games. <laughs> it's I mean, nice, this, isn't it? <laughs> really, it is. You know, this is frankly what teams that have some longevity and success over time, this is how they do it. Um, especially when you don't, you know, look, how many, you know, how many great quarterbacks are there? All this kind of stuff, you know, you get, I almost get tired of that, that debate where I'm always interested in, um, I love it. Well, I don't care whether it's uh, almost any sport. If you know how you want to play as a team and you stick to it and go out there and you've got the talent to do it, um, make those other people try to stop your strengths rather than play. Well, I'm going to, you know, it's the old classic thing. I know this guy can't hit my fastball, but he's probably going to be looking for my fastball. So even, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to throw him a changeup because he's going to be looking for my fastball. Of course, the reason he couldn't hit your fastball is fat, he'll hit the changeup though. You know, that kind right, of stuff. Right. Opposed to like, you know, I'm going to give him a gas three times and point him to the dugout, you know, that, that kind of stuff. Well, they're not going to stop us running. And that doesn't mean you have to run every single thing right up the middle, but you know, when you have those talented backs, just let them run. And, and I think the thing too, um, with Baker, I think what's been really impressive is they've kind of taken that gunslinger out mm-hmm. of him a little bit this year. You know, remember he came in the league and he recreated that Brett Favre picture, and yeah. he loved to talk about how how he was Brett Favre. He loved loved Brett Favre and loved that style of play. And it 
led to a lot of interceptions and a lot of turnovers. And they've taken that, they've taken that out of him a little bit. He's throwing the football away a bunch, almost to, I mean, he's been called for grounding, I think yeah. two of the last three games or something, but, well, but I mean, you'll take four, that over him being player, careless. Tuba player, not the, you know, way down the field. Right. <laughs> the tuba player toss. And here is what also, you know what they're doing? They're making Baker into a mature professional as a player that it's not about you. You know, it's about winning the game. And when he was at, I mean, let's face it, that offense at Oklahoma was just set up for whatever quarterback they drop in there. I mean, the numbers just pour out all over the right. place. Now, granted, these quarterbacks are pretty good, but it's just, and you know, they, what kind of defense is played, you know, at these places and just, so here, you know, it's a man's game. And the fact is he is six foot or whatever he says he is. And so, you know, he's better at rolling out and he's better and they got the running game. And, you know, you look at, uh, I'm just, I am so relieved that I was looking at all the crap from Jacksonville, you know, another quarterback and the GM gets fired and doesn't that get so old. Yeah. And you look at them and go, how do you get out of that mess? Uh, Yeah, I don't know. Well, and, you, know, you know, I'm watching. They have lost at least 10 games, I believe, in nine of the last 10 years. Yeah. Well, well I mean, the way they want to get out of it is they want to keep losing and hope they land one of these quarterbacks. But right. you've got to build that structure around the quarterback, too, which is what the Browns have, have done. And, and the guy has to be good. You got He's got to be good. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're watching the, you know, there's the total meltdown of Wentz. And, and a number of these other guys. So it's, it, it, it's hard. So that's why, frankly, if uh, uh, even Jared Goff, they had to reprogram his whole mindset. Yeah. And even he's a guy that's just one week, you're going to get this. And the next week you're going to get just, you know, one week he's going to be really good. One week he's going to be really awful. <laughs> yeah. Really, but you know what they're going to do? They're going to go to year after year after year because they know how they want to play. Yeah. They got a young coach with the system who works with the quarterback and they're going to keep going to the playoffs. And one year they went to the Super Bowl, and, you know, and that's what I want to see here. Right. And you know what, there might, there might come a time when the Rams have an opportunity, if they see a guy yeah. that they want a quarterback and they might go get him. But, you know, until then they're going to figure out how to win with Jared Goff. And I feel and like that's what this coaching a staff time. Is. It's a long time since Kurt Warner was with the Rams, you know, to, yes. to that. they <laughs> needed to get something going there. I don't know. I'm just, Look, this could, I have to admit, this this game Sunday coming up, this could be ugly. I don't feel good about it at all. I, I don't either. But, okay, don't feel good about it. So, if Tennessee kicks their butt, you're eight and four. I don't know what's going on in Baltimore. They can't even get on the field. And then, you know, the, the schedule softens up a little bit, and then you got Pittsburgh. You got the two New Yorks and Pittsburgh. So, that's, you know, again, that's how you go. So, you end up one and ten or whatever games it is. And, um, and let's see, but I, I want to see though, that you go at them, you know, with your strength against their strength. The problem is I just don't know what the defense is going to do with those guys. I, I don't either. I mean, you're, you're going to get miles back. We'll see what kind of shape he's in. We talked about that a little bit last week, but, yeah. um, you know, to me, I, I think this, these next three games are really, the next three are really interesting. This game, obviously because of what Tennessee is, yes. um, look, they're bad on defense too. 
So, yeah. I mean, like I said, these teams are so similar. So I say, we don't want to be on the field. We don't want our defense on the field either. That's what Tennessee says. And they go, now tell me again why we're not whatever, you know, we're game managing or guess what? We're winning. And that's <laughs> what I want to do. I have a bad defense. I got a good running game. So let's throw 40 passes a game. That coach should be fired. Yeah. Well, that coach did get fired last year by the Browns. Yes, he did. <laughs> and um, I mean, I still am amazed that one year when North Turner was here with uh, Jason Campbell and Hoyer and whoever else was a quarterback that year, 2000, and they led the NFL in pass attempts. Incredible. Yeah, so you mentioned Baltimore, too. We don't know what kind of shape they're going to be in when they show up to Cleveland. The game I'm really interested in, and I know this is weird, I'm really interested in that Giants game. I, I, I was think the Giants are better than their record, and I think they play hard and they're well coached. There is um, a Belichick coach is coming in. It took a while to get. Remember, we we were saying who's Joe Judge? I remember that. <laughs> um, and I was someone at that time reminded me. He said, "Goes I don't know exactly how good he is, but remember, don't underestimate special teams coach. That's what Harbaugh was. Yeah, a lot yeah. of times special team coach have to be able to take a, a big picture of things, um, and then." You know, Daniel Jones is developing. And so that, uh, you know, you look at that and, hey, um, they, you know, they may be like kind of behind the Browns or whatnot, but maybe they are going in the right direction. Yeah, I mean. I was just looking at the New York Post website. You'll love this. And then there was just a column that said, for heaven's sake, will somebody fire Adam Gase already? Was that was <laughs> You know, like you're like, like when your kid just keeps spilling stuff all over, throwing things all over the room. I'm, I'm, I'm sitting here watching all these other markets this year, like New York and Philadelphia, Jacksonville, all these places, Houston, right. all these places. And I just feel like I, I just want to say to all of them, it's okay. I've, we've been through this in Cleveland every single December. We, we know what it's like. If you need any advice or tips to get through the next month, we got you. And I get it. Everybody likes to, you know, because we live in a society where, uh, you know, have a take and let's jump to this, whatever. But I mean, it's just like, you know, the people that they're talking about, the, the, the millionaire next door, they talk about that. I mean, it's some woman or, or guy who's been piling stuff in the IRAs for 25 or 30 years and lives in a house that they could afford and doesn't have 14, you know, hundred hour a month car payment, you know, and then we're done it gradually. Now, granted that's over time, but same thing with the football teams. You go and remember Andrew Berry comes in and the first thing he does is first big moves, offensive line, Conklin and then uh, Jarrett Will, and they got it right on Wills. I worried about that when they when they picked that, but they got it right with that guy. And, and they had to. I mean, that was a pick they couldn't miss on. Had to get it right. You're exactly right. And then in the meantime, to be to be fair, you know, Dorsey did extend Treader. It's interesting because I was looking at the, how the offensive line was assembled. You know, Batonio was drafted by Farmer, extended by Sashi Brown, so that he's tied up. Tied right. up. Treader was signed by Sashi Brown, extended by Dorsey. Uh, Conklin comes in with with Andrew Barry, uh, Teller. Teller's you know, a Dorsey. Dorsey, little Trey, and then uh, you've got who am I missing? Oh, Wills drafted. Get Wills drafted, and even Hubbard, you know, uh, brought in and way overpaid by Dorsey. But then, 
Barry reworks the deal where he should be paid, you know, like a backup that could step in. And so, boom. And that were, but the, that's how you start doing this. It wasn't just, you know, let's have protection for Baker. But this, let's set it up for the zone blocking. And, and we've talked about this before, but I just keep going back to it, Dan. The money and the move of getting Bill Callahan, it, it could not have been easy to convince him to come to Cleveland. Probably not. Yeah. But he's, he's been probably the most important coach for a lot of reasons. Yeah, he is. And it seems like Van Pelt works well with Stefanski. And um, what have you thought of Joe Woods? Because I've, I've changed my opinion on him. Because you study the tape more than I do. I, I just think it's really, I don't know if we're going to have a, a real answer on Joe Woods this year. I, I just don't think there's the talent. And now he's playing without Miles, without Denzel Ward. Yeah. And I think, you know, he's just kind of hanging on. And I thought against Jacksonville, they had some moments. They had back-to-back three and outs when the Browns kind of took the lead there. And that's just sort of what this defense is about right now. It's about mm-hmm. just when there's that opportunity to get a turnover or get off the field, you got to take advantage of it. And the tough thing don't have the guys before about uh, going into this game, Harrison would get turnovers and Denzel sometimes fumbles too, not just interceptions. Yeah. They just get away knocking ball loose and they're not out. They're not out there. And obviously miles uh, had tested positive for the virus and was sick in some ways because remember all the stuff about um uh, i want to send him chicken soup and all that stuff well and and he missed they kept him home two days before he tested positive with an illness i can tell you as uh some people i know now who've come down with the virus um and not that kind of up in the hospital but the fatigue element is is really tough to overcome it just seems like and you'll feel good for a couple hours and then you just want to go back to bed. So, you know, as you said, we'll see, but I rolling him out there for 85% of the snaps is probably not going to be a good idea. But, but just to have him on third downs would be. Yes. Now this is going to be the challenge for Joe Woods. What do you think Dan to how much to use miles? Yeah, I, I mean, they're going to have to get a feel for where he's at, but this is something I've kind of had a pin in. It's like, how, how close to 100% is he going to be? And you, you know, because you said it, this thing can linger. They never really practice anymore. Yeah. You're right. They don't. I mean, and you know, even yourself, you're a runner, Dan, correct? I mean, yes. Stick with me for a minute. I'm not going to make fun or anything of it. <laughs> but even if you're doing a lot on the treadmill or whatnot, then you go out and run, you know, run your trails. It, it's not anywhere close to the same. Yeah, it's different. You can, you can kind of keep your, your legs up because I like to hike. Um, you know, I've hiked parts of the Appalachian Trail and I love to hike in Cauga Valley and I'll do the treadmill or whatever or the elliptical and it's some, but all of a sudden you run on those hills or whatnot and it, it takes it out of you if you haven't been doing that. Well, it's obvious and nobody's hitting us. <laughs> right, right. We're not going full speed against a 300 pounder. We don't, we don't have to tackle Derek. Spitting in my face. (laughs) I I mean, I'm, I'll tell you this. I, you know, look, I I say this for most NFL players because I am not a big person, but I went into the Titans locker room last year after that opener and Derek Henry talked towards the end. Everybody had kind of cleared out and I was standing right next to Derek Henry and I just thought to myself, how does anybody tackle this person? Exactly. 
Well, Chubb, you stand as a Chubb. How does anybody bring? Well, of course they don't. Well, yeah, I mean, I think that about Chubb too. But Henry is like six. I don't know what he's, he's like he's six a, four. He's a linebacker. Yeah, and he's tall and just so. So it'll be fun to see. And and I'm just so glad we're, we're sitting here talking about this. And and this and this doesn't mean you know. I got an email from a fan guy said I've had a nightmare. They lose the last five games and end up eight and eight. I'm like, stop. <laughs> but I do, I think the the nice thing about this coaching staff and and I think there's legitimate discussion about the teams they've played and and all of this. Sure. But the fact of the matter is, is they've beaten the teams they're supposed to beat. And and look at look at what Las Vegas did on Sunday. They went yep. to Atlanta yeah. and got. Kill. All I can see was Derek, Derek uh, Carr like you know, groveling on the ground, which is yeah. Not- so I mean, they haven't lost a game like that yet. Uh, you're right, but and here's something to keep in mind too: is that I, I always thought, of course, it doesn't hold true to the Browns when you're one and thirty-one. But most NFL teams, you lose a game during the year, you should lose, and you win one, you should win. And sometimes it has to do with you know injuries the other team, or they're just what for whatever reason. But right now, I mean, what the Browns have, have not done either. And they haven't won a game, frankly, that you say, boy, they had no chance in that game and they won. And they haven't lost a game, but they should have won once we got a little bit of a clue what type of team they have. So, you know, if you kind of play it down the middle like that and you're pretty good, you're going to end up with 10 wins. I mean, that's, that's kind of how that goes. Because really, if you play it even that way now, say you lose to Tennessee – and you lose to Baltimore and you lose to Pittsburgh, but you beat the two New York teams. There's your 10 wins. Now I'd like, I want more, but. Yeah. 10 is going to be, you're going to need some tiebreakers. Yeah. But yeah, that, that's yeah. how, what else did you see when you looked at the tape of that game at Jacksonville that maybe wasn't obvious watching it the first time? So I'm at, I'm at about halftime now. Um, and I just, I thought really in the first half, Stefanski called a, a really nice game. It was kind of the second drive. You know, the first drive they came out and empty and all of that. But yeah, the don't second, do that. can we stop that right now? Don't <laughs> come out with the first play of the game in Nashville, and there's nobody in the backfield, especially even, backed up at the two yard line or the right, five or wherever they were. Want to throw the ball? That's why you have a guy back there so you could fake it to him, right? And it stalls the. I'm, he did that two weeks in a row. Because he did it against who do they play? I was I was at the game. Who were we before? Uh, uh, Philly, Philadelphia. It's like what was that? Yeah, <laughs> and they had, that was that was the Najoku drop. Yeah, then the Najoku drop, and I mean it might have worked anyway, but it was because I don't know if I I, I wasn't sitting by. You forgot who I was sitting. I was one of the stack guys. I said, "What are they doing? There's nobody in the backfield, you know." So stop that. <laughs> yeah, but I thought the second drive. Yeah, the second drive was really good. The way he called that drive was just—I I don't think we can say anything is vintage Kevin Stefanski yet. But if we can, that second drive was kind of vintage. That's yeah. what you expect out of him. And I think the drive that ended, you know, had the Higgins play. That was actually a really good drive too. Right. It just didn't end well. Um, Did you see? Have you looked at the uh, the fourth? Well, with Kareem, they missed Kareem with the pass, and then the fourth and in inches yet. I haven't gone back and, and rewatched that one yet. Okay. What did you think when you were watching it at the time? I mean, I, I would have kicked the field goal, mm-hmm. honestly, just go up by two scores. But I can also understand Kevin Stefanski saying, and, and you know what stood out to me is after the game, this is one of the first times I'd ever kind of heard this from him. He kind of, 
not in a bad way, but he kind of put it on his guy. He kind of put it on the players. He kind of said it's inches. Yeah, We've got to get inches. It was inches twice. Yeah. I remember that. Yeah. And I, th- I thought that was, I thought that was interesting. That was one of those moments that kind of got my attention because he normally yeah, doesn't do that. Message or is he dodging criticism? I wasn't sure which. Um, I, I th- based on what we know, I think he's more sending a message. Probably sending a message. Um, now I got some emails on this and, and I have, I'm going to ask you first, but I have a strong opinion on this, but I'll let you go first. You know, why don't they uh, quarterback sneak with Baker? Yeah, that's what I would have done. Okay. I, because I, I, and honestly, I'm surprised they didn't because that's normally thought of as like the most, the most efficient play. And like when you listen to analytics people, you listen to people yeah, that really say sneak the football in that situation. Right. And maybe it's the, I've seen Kelly Hulk and break his foot and all this on that, but I hate quarterback sneaks. I saw one too, where uh, Holmes got hurt in a game uh, earlier in the year, but you know, on a quarterback sneak, I just don't, yeah, the playoffs, you know, all that, sure. Game 16, I got to win. You know, game 11 in Jacksonville, I don't want to see Baker get his ankle stepped on or something like that. That's just, again, that's just me, even though it's a, it is a very efficient play. I mean, Brady's great at it, and he doesn't get hurt. But Brady doesn't get hurt. I mean, yeah, right. the one year he had the knee surgery, long time ago now, Matt Castle stepped in for him, and Matt Castle's been retired, like, longer than, you know, I don't know who Ulysses S. Grant. I mean, guys just been gone. So that's it. But the rest of these guys, I just, I don't know. I, I, I don't like it, but I could see why fans uh, would want to that because to your point, usually it works. Yeah. It, it was a sneak where Mahomes hyperextended his knee last year. Yeah. Or dislocate. I forget what it was. It was, yeah. I, I mean, it looked like it was going to end a season. Tell you one thing, that guy, he's never sneaking for me. And remember who else was doing it? Now, he didn't – that's not how he hurt his knee. But they kept having Joe Burrow sneak. Yeah. And stop. You know, I just think there's a cumulative effect of hits on these guys. And Yeah, you, you kind of expose yourself to some risk there. Um, but that, that being said, you know, I might have done it. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Well, if you're going to go for it, maybe you do that. So – Again, yeah. a lot of people. I said it's a minority opinion, as they say, you know, on the quarterback sneak. Yeah. Uh, I, I was stunned to find out that the other guy who felt that way is Todd Haley. He hated quarterback sneaks. Well, there you go. You and Todd Haley. <laughs> yeah, that's right. He's in a pod. We could, we could hoist one, you know. I could do my <laughs> uh, iced tea or diet Pepsi, and ho- Todd could hoist his hoist, or whatever he's hoisting. <laughs> so he's not All right. Yet. Well, uh, off to Nashville this week, Browns and Titans. Big I game. Have, I mean, this is a genuinely big game. I'm, I'm kind of excited to see how this team stacks up. The only I would end this thing with this question I got from a fan. Where is Dalel Loggins these days? He's in New York, I think. I, There's, I got to double check to make sure I have the right guy. Um, and I'm not thinking of some I other question to go. Whatever happened to the guy that was going to wreck this league with Johnny Manziel? Well, Dow Loggins is in New York with Adam Gase, and there's this controversy. <laughs> there's actually a controversy this week about it because <laughs> Gase had given up play calling to Loggins. Oh, my goodness. Okay, then there was a report. I wonder why going for the love of God fired the guy. <laughs> there was a report that Gase was calling plays on Sunday. Yeah. Then after the game, Adam Gase in his press conference is getting asked about it. 
and he was kind of dodging it. And the reporters were saying to him, well, it didn't look like Dowell was doing anything. And Adam Gase kind of kept dodging it. He wasn't doing anything. He was talking to somebody while you guys were on the field. And yeah, it's, yeah, it does. It's a whole thing. Sell them a mic for firing coaches in the middle of the year. But this (laughs) one just sounds like you talk about what was the old uh, internal discord. (laughs) <laughs> it sounds like that was when they fired Haley and, and Hugh. Uh, this begs for that. So, <laughs> well, on that upbeat note, it's good to see uh, Mr. Loggins is still employed. So, yep. So at least for a few more weeks. And he's wrecking the league in his own way, I guess. He's he's wrecking the Jets or help or helping the Jets, I guess, depending on how you want. Might not all be his fault. He might have better ideas. Who knows? <laughs> all right, Terry. Uh, off to Nashville. Appreciate the time. All right, take care.